Welcome, running fans. I've got some bad news for you. Cancel culture. Had enough of it. It's come to running. The famed Fukuoka Marathon has been canceled. Kenanise Bekele's Olympic marathon dreams may have been canceled as well. L.A. Kipchoge's Hamburg Marathon, no, not quite canceled, but postponed. But I'm trying to be upbeat, folks. The good news is we've got plenty to talk about in this week's podcast. The grand opening of Hayward Field is only days away. $200 million-plus largesse will be on full display should we send Jonathan Galt out there to see it. There's going to be an incredible Istanbul half marathon. Hobbs Kessler is not just a 357-miler. He's an 839-2-miler. Can he break the national record? And most importantly of all, we will pick the entire U.S. men's and women's at Olympic distance team. Can't wait to do that. Robert Johnson here welcoming you to the show, joined as always by my genetic equal. Put the man that ran two minutes faster than me in the 10,000 meters, Weldon Johnson, as well as Jonathan Galt. We've got it all here. We've got a 28-minute 10K runner, 29-minute 10K runner, and a 30-plus 10K runner. Where should we begin, guys? Well, I do want to talk a little bit about your decor because Weldon has told me that we're going to be using video now. These record, the podcast might be recorded on video. So, A, now I have to start wearing a shirt. And B, I see in the background, you know, you've got a collage of your twin brother, Weldon, in his Yale glory days. Can you explain the decorations here, Robert? John, for God, for country, for Yale. You know, that's all I can say. My dad went to Yale. Weldon went to Yale. You always look up to your big brother, right? Particularly when they're significantly faster and just a little better than you at everything. So I always said, John, there's only two jobs I've really wanted in this world. One is the Yale cross country job. Two is the University of Texas men's basketball job. So I'm just honoring tradition a little bit today, John. Actually, that's not really all true. I, I just wanted to record at home so I'd have more time to research the Olympic teams instead of driving out to the office. Wow. Well, your your time has come, Robert, because the Texas men's basketball job is open right now. But Weldon, how do you how do you feel about this tribute to your talent? Wait, the Texas men's basketball job is open. Yeah, Shaga Smart off to Marquette. Okay, somehow I missed that one. Canned or like he decided that he would rather be at Marquette than the University of Texas. Miley had Texas. Apparently, they thought he 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 thought that he eventually would be canned, so it's better to leave. Well, hey, there's more to life than money, and it's not working in Texas. So, good for him. I get. I don't know. Do do what makes you happy. The Robert background's a bit weird, you know. And also, I don't know. He's he's coming at me. He's sort of implying that I'm not worthy. Yeah, I pointed out my dad went to Yale, and I'm a recruited athlete. So, like, really shouldn't have been there, right? That's your own self insecurities uh, poking through. Well done. But shall we? Shall we go on to running? Because I think that's what everyone's here to listen to us talk about, right? I don't know. I think there's a lot of people that may want to listen to your dating life, John. Updates. I've been corresponding with podcast listeners about a podcast listener's been in the hospital, with sort of an illness. They sent me a picture, and there was a, a, a uh, can I say this? An attractive young woman in the picture. I said, "Hey, by the way, is that your daughter? She looks perfect for John." And then we exchanged. He sent me some other photos. Conversation. We're just gonna. We're not gonna go down that avenue. Uh, where do you want to start, though? Fukuoka, Bekele. We got that. We're gonna pick the U.S. team. We'll get to that later. I'm also sitting, standing by for any word from Alberto Salazar's CAS appeal. Now, if you remember, 
he was supposed to appeal his uh, suspension, dope, four-year doping suspension, to the Court of Arbitration for Sport. That appeal was heard from March 3rd to March 12th. It's now March 31st. We haven't heard anything, but I'm sitting, I'm expecting we're going to hear a verdict at some point in the next few weeks. So I'm getting ready. If we'll get the breaking news report noise ready, if something breaks during the podcast. Wait, I'm confused. Do these decisions usually come a couple weeks later or you're just going to be ready for the next six months? Usually it's a few weeks later, I think, right? I thought it took six months the first time. I don't know. I feel like CAS has a quicker turnaround. They're going to want to get a decision out by the Olympics. So I'm mentally preparing myself to talk about Salazar if we need to. Well, this thing better not break like today or definitely not tomorrow because no one will believe it. Like what if Salazar gets off on April Fool's Day and we have this like huge thing? Salazar cleared. Like it'll ruin our April Fool's. Or people well, the- still think he's banned. Alberto, please come on the podcast. We still want you. Please, please, please. Alberto, we can talk out our differences. America, you need tonight. Joe Biden would say, come on, man. Come on that podcast. Well, the timing can't be any stranger than when his suspension dropped all of the world championships in 2019. So I'm prepared for anything. We need Alberto back. It was a technical, technical ban that did not make me feel happy. Plus, we need more things to talk about. John, I... I- I was wondering why John was just thinking all of a sudden, like he seems obsessed with this notion that Alberto's going to come back. I don't know why. I was expecting the decision to come in several months. But, you know, with Phil's money, it would be amazing if, if Alberto was vindicated and then shows up at the Hayward, Hayward, Hayward premiere. I mean, could you imagine if Salazar comes back in the sport, he gets some renegade group to go up and, like, becomes rivals with not just Jerry Schumacher, but Pete Julian as well? I mean, it would be kind of crazy. No, but the crazy thing is, if Alberto is vindicated in the thing, this is how, I don't want to say screwed up, but how powerful cancel culture is. I think Nike would have a harder time bringing him back just because of the Mary Kane bat shaming allegations than he, the doping allegations. Hey, people are, are sad to say, but people in society are fine with all sorts of cheating. A-Rod, Barry Bonds, Marion Jones, Lance Armstrong. These people cheated with impunity. Got stole millions of dollars away. It's despicable. Society's really got me down. Anyways, let's talk track and let's don't talk Alberto. I think we're going to pick the Olympic team at the end of the show. So where should we begin? I think we should begin with praise for Jonathan Galtz. Jonathan Galtz has broken the story that Kenanese Bekele's Olympic dreams may be over. John has reached out, spoken to the Ethiopian Olympic marathon coach. This to me should be a worldwide story. I don't know if other people are rewriting what you wrote, John, but great, great work there to get this. You know, the Ethiopian sprung this trials race on everybody, and apparently Bakili's not really in shape. His father has recently died. He did start training for the trials, but the coaches told you he does not expect Bakili to be in these trials. And it's apparently there's no going to be no waivers, no exceptions. I'm really disappointed by this as a fan. I think they should do top two automatically. I hate that when I say it's top two normally, but I want an exception made for Bakili. Look, if I was the Ethiopian Federation, I would not make an exception for Bakili. But this is Ethiopia, it's not America, so I think they should. Yeah, I mean, as a fan, obviously, I'd like to see Bekele running at the Olympics. It's just, it makes, what greater story could we have than, you know, the guy who's been counted out so many times, He's he runs his one last great marathon, maybe he beats Kipchoge, they're duking it out in the final miles. I mean, that's just everything you want as a fan. But looking at it 
more objectively, this is a guy, he's very inconsistent. When he's good, he's very, very good. You know, it's second fastest marathon ever in Berlin in 2019. He almost broke the world record in Berlin in 2016. He's run a couple decent London marathons, but he's also, he's had a couple stinkers. He's had a bunch of DNFs. He scratched from London just days before the race in October due to injury. I mean, he hasn't run a fast marathon. You know, by the time of the Olympics, it'll have been almost two years if he doesn't do this trial. So, I can understand the hesitation in the Ethiopian Federation if they don't know he's in shape and you've got so many other good marathoners from that country. You know, the the London champ, Shura Katada. You've got Bahanu Legese, who's run 202. He's won the last two Tokyo marathons. Mosinek Geremu, the runner-up at Worlds. I mean, the list goes on. Why would you pick Bekele when you know you're probably going to get a very strong performance from, you know, anyone else you pick. But as a fan, yeah, I want to see him run in Tokyo, and it's a bummer. Remember, he missed out on the Olympics in 2016, and then he came back and won Berlin in in 2003-03, and you think, oh, would he have been able to challenge Kipchoge in Rio? So the fact that he doesn't get redemption on a personal level is also kind of a bummer. John, are these guys getting paid any money to run this marathon in, what, Switzerland? I I don't think so. That's the sort of crazy thing. Like these are, I mean, this is a profession, right? The, the, and there haven't been any marathons for the last year, essentially, for most of these Ethiopians. So they haven't been able to make do their livelihood, and they're from a very poor country. And the U.S. when they hold the Olympic marathon trials, there's you know two hundred fifty thousand dollars of prize money on each side, roughly. But. Ne- so you, if you win, you get a hundred grand. You get famous. You get endorsements. I don't know what endorsements are like in Ethiopia, but they're generally much less than what they are in the U.S. These guys got to go run a spring marathon and not get paid for it. I think that's an interesting angle. Now, where else are, are they going to go and get paid? It's not like L- London and Boston. They're in the full. I mean, it's not like there are tons of marathons that are just throwing money at Ethiopians to go run them this spring. Well, that's the one caveat. This year, you know, year two of COVID it's a little bit different because they don't have any alternatives. But down the road, I think if they're going to have a consistent Ethiopian trials to pay people, you might have to like just take over like the London Marathon one year or take over, I don't know who else has the money, Hamburg or somebody, but interesting angle I hadn't really thought much about. Yeah, this race, let's just to be clear, it essentially, you know, the first we heard about this publicly was on less than a month ago. It was earlier this month, March 5th, I think, from this tweet from an Ethiopian photographer. And they said that tweet said it was going to be, the trials was going to be next weekend, actually. Uh, oh, sorry, this weekend in, in Ethiopia. And then that didn't turn out to be true. Well, they actually, they changed it from what I understand. And now it's supposed to be May 2nd in Geneva. And we'll see if it's supposed to be a full marathon. But it's still very late to spring on everyone. Hey, uh, oh yeah, we're going to have a trials to pick the Olympic team, and if you're not ready for it, uh, too bad. It's just you don't spring a marathon on people with a two two months notice. When I read your article, John, I became a little bit more sympathetic for them in the sense of yes, they do need to see who's in shape and stuff like that. As the coach said, how are we supposed to know who's in shape? I agree with that assertion. But the thing that my response to that was be, why would Bikili want to go to the Olympics if he's not in shape? He's not going to want to embarrass himself. To me, you hold a 30K race just to show like a, a level of fitness. Because traditionally, they pick the team in Ethiopia anyways based on past results. They don't have a trials race. So I would like to say, hey, we're going to run a 30K. We're going to run it at 
blank pace, 202 pace or whatever. If you can make it on that pace, then we're going to, you know, then we're going to just have it like as a cutoff. Like if you're not at this level, you can't be selected for the team. Don't necessarily make it top three and you go because it just doesn't make any sense to me. But speaking, well, we, you know, the, the one bonus for them is, yes, they're not really passing up a payday. But the one payday was going to be this Hamburg Marathon. NN Racing was putting on a Hamburg Marathon. It was supposed to be new week, new, next weekend. And we've got bad news report. Just as we're about to start recording this podcast, it's been postponed because of COVID in Europe. I mean, this is, we're a year into COVID, and now we're postponing it. Remember when it was flat in the curve? I guess that didn't work so well. So... It's been postponed. They're not sure when they're going to hold it, right, John? And it's not going to be in Hamburg? They're still looking they, for a location. So it's supposed to be April 11th. They've now said it will be April 18th, but they've also said that it won't be in Hamburg and they're trying to find a venue. So that, I mean, I do think they can put, they'll be able to, they might be able to find one on short notice, but it's also possible, you know, if they can't find a suitable venue, they might need to postpone it further. But this is just an elite marathon, correct? Right. Also, we, I don't really know the, we know Kipchoge is running it. I don't, I haven't seen the full fields published anyway yet. So if it's only postponed a week, that's not that big of a deal. But wow, it shows Germany's going hardcore on the COVID. Like a private marathon being canceled? I don't know. We're not doing that in America, baby. We're avoiding COVID talk this week. Although, you guys see this right here? Can you see? A little Band-Aid underneath there. Weldon's touching his arm for the people listening on the podcast. Shot in the arm as of yesterday. Moderna vaccine. I, uh, you know, journalists are eligible in Connecticut. I went and signed up. I deserve to go before old people. So there you have it. He's joking, people. He didn't jump in front of old people. Anyone forty-five and up in Connecticut can get their vaccine. April I- Fools. April Fools. That's my April Fools. Yes, I hadn't even debated because I was trying to study which vaccine if I could angle for one over the other. And my wife's like, "You're old enough to go. Go. Don't worry about which one you get." So I got the Moderna. I, I don't want to talk about this. This annoys me. Weldon has been less, has been much more cavalier about COVID than I have, and I'm not eligible for the vaccine here in Maryland. So even right, the head, let's co- not talk about it then. Don't want to get you riled up, Robert. Well, the head COVID reporter for the Baltimore Sun told me I was eligible. I signed up and was supposed to get it, and then I actually called the state to double check. They said no, so I'm not a rule breaker. I could have gotten away with it. When I called the state, she's like, "Well, I really appreciate your honesty for canceling your appointment." So there you go, folks. The utmost integrity from yours truly, Robert Johnson. One more thing about Hamburg. This was going to be the race where the Let's Run single was going to break 210. And I've got some bad news. I've been checking my guy Strava, and there have been no updates. He said he had a small – because he was going to run another race in March, and then it was pushed back. He said, I'm, I'm a little bit hurt. I'm going to run April. And I, I called him yesterday on WhatsApp. There will be no marathon. Had a two-month injury. But – don't worry, folks. I've got good news. Another guy has emailed me. I'm not good at checking the emails, as I said. If you want to call us, if you want to reach me, pick up the phone, 844-LET'S-RUN, 844-538-7786. Hit extension 3. You'll be on the phone with me almost immediately. Or you can leave – wait. If you want to leave a voicemail for the podcast, option 7, secret option 7. Anyways, a few months ago, I, I realized this week, that I got an email. Hey, Rojo, huge fan of Let's Run. Love the podcast, the forum, and your guys' perspective on the running world. I saw a post on the message board about the barefoot half marathon world record in snow. I can do that for you. I've already run 130-something barefoot in snow as part of a training run. It could easily break that 145 world record as an official attempt. Anyways, I would love to represent Let's Run while doing it. So, that was an email I received on February 6th. 
I responded this week. I said, hey, is there any snow? Can we possibly do this? <sighs> Thanks for the response. So I'm in Vermont right now, and the weather is well above snow level. So unless we get a freak snowstorm, it's a no-go. But speaking of barefoot world records, I am going for the for a 100-mile race at the six days in the Dome in June, and we're going for the outright 100-mile world record. I know how you feel about super shoes, and you'll be happy to know that I'll be running barefoot. Carbon fiber plates be damned. I would love to wear the Let's Run jersey for this effort if you're game. And I'm running a 50-mile time trial in two and a half weeks, so it'll get you a better sense of how realistic this world record is for me. Wait, 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 wait. We got some rando guy. I mean, ultra running sort of very popular on YouTube taking off. Didn't have a sponsor? I thought all these guys were sponsored. He wants to run in the Let's Run jersey? Well, I guess when, you, when you're a barefoot person, you, the shoe companies don't want you to sponsor. I don't know. Well, this is an Should, opportunity, for, opportunity for, us. for us. Should I announce? His, I think it's a guy. His name? Well, it says, no, it says his, he, him next to his name. So that means it's a guy, right? Teague O'Connor will be representing the jersey in a world record soon. All right, we got something to look forward to this summer. One more thing about the jersey. Speaking of which, we've received another email. If you bought the Let's Run.com yellow singlet, I said if you wear it in a race with more than 20 people, you get it for free. That offer still stands. You win the race. You have to win the race. Yes, you have to win the race. Now, I need a clarification from you guys. I got an email from a guy who said, hey, I wore the jersey. I won. Here's the link. It was a half marathon in Michigan. There was like... 40 competitors or something like that. You know, I was like, hmm. Then I looked a little bit more closely. I said, wait a minute. This was another person also that had he, him on the email. So I assumed this was a male. I looked at the name. There was, I counted up. There was only 20 male competitors in the race. And the, and the, and the a ruling said, I said, you have to have a race more than 20 people. So there was more than 20 people in the race, but there was only 20 people in their category. Give it to him, Robert. Let him get, the, get a, give him for free. Don't be a miser. Well, I have already given him it. And, by the way, he wanted me to tell you guys, he said I was so nice that he signed up for the Let's Run.com membership. You, too, can subscribe. Come on, people. $1.50 a week. Support the show. Support independent journalism. Do it now. Go to letsrun.com slash subscribe. Letsrun.com slash subscribe. We'll send you a free shirt. You can support us. We appreciate it. Don't you have to take a picture of yourself winning for proof? Oh, we have the picture. It's, I tweeted it out yesterday. Okay, we we need pictures. And also, yeah, this is great. We got a, a guy winning a race. We've got Des Linden wearing it to a spring training game. I mean, the Let's Run shirt. It looks beautiful. It's super comfortable, and it's out in the world. So get your own, people. Wait, I missed the Des Linden thing too. We got okay. We got to start collecting these uh, on the homepage, since I'm the upper management of Let's Run dot com. All the marketing gurus can tell me how to do this. No, if you have your shirt, send us the picture, shop at letsrun.com. I've, I've started a thread where I'm putting the photos. Um, you know. By the way, Jonathan, I sent your sister one. She sent me a nice handwritten thank you note. It is amazing. People, it's sad. It's, it's amazing that Jonathan and his sister both aren't happily married, if that's what they want to be, because they're such nice people, such proper manners, John. The British upbringing, it's just amazing. It's a lost art. Oh my god! So we we spend half the time talking about my dating life. Now you're gonna bring my sisters into it? I mean, Robert, just leave it alone, man. Well, she just seems like a lovely person. It's a shame you guys can't get married to each other. I guess maybe in England you could, right? The kings and the queens. <laughs> what are you talking about? This thing has gone off the rails. Quick oh my today. god! <laughs> yeah, Robert, have you been drinking? How many beers in are you? Okay, oh, let's. Okay. Get, should we talk about some actual running? Fukuoka, Robert, you want to cry about cry about that? Yes. 
It's a sad day for the sport. Tony Revis, go to TonyRevis.com. Is that right, John? Has written an amazing piece about the end of the Fococo Marathon. I mean, if subscribers, we talked about this on Friday's bonus podcast, but everyone else, Fococo, which used to be the unofficial world championship. I mean, back in the day in the, in the pre-professional era, Fukuoka and Boston were the two biggies. And the the, the winners of Fukuoka are, merit, are amazing. From Frank Shorter to Sammy Wanjuro to Haile Gebrselesi. Who else am I missing, John? Derek, two world records were sent there. The first sub-210 marathon. Bill Rogers, Geza Hagnea-Berra, Toshihiko Seko. There's tons of legends. And it's an elite-only race. If you think it's cool to qualify for Boston, Fukuoka was the ultimate qualifying race. They should have played this up more in America. 235 qualifying standard. And if you don't keep that pace up, they yank you off the course. So this is the great, this should be actually the ultimate, uh, you know, badge of honor race for everyone to run. But instead it's never went mass participation. And now it's going by the wayside. And this kind of scares me because even in marathon craze, Japan, they can't find the money. You think the TV, they guess the money from the TV broadcast isn't enough to pump it up, and they're just sort of, this is it. They should have maybe moved the dates. The date, it's like a late December date, and it really messes up with the corporate Ekadens there, so nobody can really run a marathon and they get ready for the Ekadens a few weeks later. So maybe they should have moved the date, but it's just sad to me. And Tony Ravis has run an amazing pace, and he's pace. And he's like, we talk about how can the sport move forward. He's like, the problem with the sport is everybody's a free agent. Every event is only worried about themselves. He's like, we should be banding together. World athletics should be banding together to save this great historic race, but it's gone. 75th edition will be its last this year. A few things about Fukuoka. One, someone organized the Fukuoka mass race, right? I think they thought they were combined together. And these guys went out on like a, they just stayed true, right? They're just like, screw you guys. We're not doing mass. We're not merging with you. We're just going on our own. I didn't, I don't know all of the details. We probably should get Brett Larner of Japan running on. But that kind of reminded me of like the Hayward Field. I don't know. Do do you have to evolve? Do you have to like? Why couldn't they just open it up to the masses behind it? Oh, I don't. Know. I mean, I love it the fact that it was an elite race. But could there be a waste? I guess you can't have an elite and a mass race at the same time. But maybe these guys are like, no, this is how we want to do it. It, it can't go on. It's a new era. So that's it. Whereas like. People clinging to Hayward Field. I don't know. Maybe this is a really shitty analogy. You got to keep the old grandstand, all this other stuff. And Phil Knight's like, yeah, you guys say that now. Bulldoze. Boom. $270 million later. Like, man, I want to see that new stadium. We, 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 we have this, you know, longing for it for a few weeks. And now everybody wants to see the new one. Is that just progress? Is this just the way society works? I think it's an ele- inelegant analogy there. I think this is just it's economics, it's supply and demand. I mean, if you're going to if you're not going to get the entry fees and there isn't the broadcast interest to or sponsor interest to keep the race afloat, it's going to die. We've seen it happen before and it will happen again in running. I mean, you look at Lake Biwa. It's same format essentially and that race is gone as well. This we had the last edition last month. I mean, if sponsors aren't going to support these things, they're not going to. You're not going to see these races continue. You know they get huge TV ratings though in Japan. I'm surprised the money doesn't work that way. But well, for some races, for the Ekaden, for sure, the collegiate Ekaden, certainly. But maybe they don't. The ratings are not as high for these. You know, elite only, male only marathons. What do you guys have in this take? Now, every woman in the world will get upset. 
But I think Fukuoka on the men's side, just talking about men, obviously, because it's only men's only race, the most prestigious list of winners outside of the Olympics. I mean, maybe London. London doesn't have that back history, though. Boston, yeah. I feel like, hasn't, I don't know, you don't have the, like, Turgots, Gabriel Selassies, any of those guys of the world. I would say you could argue it's more prestigious than the Olympics because, I mean, Bill Rogers never won an Olympics. Haile Gabriel Selassie never won an Olympics in the marathon. You know, you look at some of these other names, it's certainly up there. Like, the marathon, and a lot of these guys, like Josiah Thugwane, I think, won both, but, like, he's not viewed sort of as a, as a total legend. Of this. Like, some of the guys who win the Olympics, Stefano Baldini, was he, like, a legend of the sport? He just, he won the marathon. He ran a great race, but the Olympic marathon champion is not always like, or Steven Kipritich. They're not always like, Oh, the defining runner of the generation. The Olympic marathon's a tough beast. And it's not always like the, the greatest runner of the generation who wins that race. John, that was genius. You took my point and raised it one. Cause I was thinking about winners, but yeah, you're totally right. Cause a lot of those people who run the Olympics don't win it. Paula Radcliffe never won the Olympic marathon. Yeah, I'm just even thinking about the people who ran Fukuoka. But yeah, the winners, great point. I mean, Fukuoka on the men's side probably has the greatest list of marathon winners for the history of the sport. More so than Boston, I would say. But some would argue with that. I mean, London, London, if London sticks around, it will surpass it just because you, you've got all the people. For, you have the best runners pretty much every year around London. It's got Kipchoge on there, which, you know, you're going to start to need Kipchoge on that winner's list. Well, you mentioned Haywood Field. Shall we move on to the Haywood premiere? This is the grand opening. It has been almost three years since Haywood Field hosted the track meet, the 2018 NCAA Championships. The final race at Haywood was one of the greatest races I've seen in person. Kendall Ellis coming from behind to overhaul Purdue and win the 4x4 and win the NCAA title for USC. It was unforgettable. And now on April 2nd, that's Friday, the Haywood premiere is going down. It's the first time, and we've got the studs are coming. This is a college meet, but many of the top distance running programs in the country will be there. Oregon is hosting, obviously, and they're going to enter some of their athletes. But we've also got BYU. We've got Iowa State. We've got Arkansas. They're all coming. And look, here's a list of the NCAA champions who are entered in this meet. Courtney Wayman of BYU. Cole Hawker of Oregon. Connor Mance of BYU, Wesley Kiptu of Iowa State, and the 2019 NCAA cross-country champion Edwin Kurgar. They're all running. Cooper Tier has entered. He's a DMR NCAA champion. Whitney Orton, who was on the BYU cross-country team, she's entered. I mean, it, it, it's fantastic. You're not going to get find much better co- top-end competition from a college meet than this one. Well, I'm glad that it's not some just random meet. You know, like the Oregon doesn't have terrible meets. They have a good squad to begin with, but... <laughs> It'd be great if there was a lot more fans there. I kind of also thought like NCAs or something would be their first meet, but this year without a lot of spectators, I'm just kind of glad that they got all these good programs going and it's going to open up to competition worthy of the new Hayward field. And also the pictures. Like I wonder if they, they almost look like doctored on social media or something or they've been highlighted. I'm like, is that a real picture or like a computer graphic of what it looked like? I mean, the thing looks absolutely amazing. And John, I think we have what, two hours here to decide if you're going? I kind of threw it out as a joke, but now the more we talk about it, I'm like, eh, maybe we should spread John's little wings and send him out to Hayward Field. Robert, do you got any thoughts on that? 
I was fine with sending him out, but why am I sending him out? They're not going to let him interview anyone. I guess the whole thing would be to take pictures of the stadium. I mean, I guess I could buy you a drone and let you fly it around, John, maybe. But they're probably not going to let you go inside to the barber shop or these type of things might be off limits. If you had full access to the facility and could do whatever you wanted with a video camera, I would say yes, it's probably worth it. But it, but when they said you couldn't interview athletes, it kind of pissed me off. So, John, can you email them back and say, hey, can I have full access to every aspect of the facility? I can ask them that. I doubt they would grant me that, but, uh, you know, it's worth a try. But I, I think this meet, I don't know. I, mean, I think it's awesome to see the pictures. I mean, they've done a pretty good job of, they have a whole website about the new Haywood Field and sort of all the pictures and tracking the development. So I kind of already get a sense of what it's going to look like you know, at least from the stands, you're not going to see sort of the uh, the barbershop aspect. And we all know that I got a haircut last week anyway. But, uh, you know, they, they, it looks like it's going to be a palace. Very confused. Is there a barbershop in Hayward Field? Did I miss something? What the hell are you guys talking I about? I think that's the case, right, Robert? Like like somebody rents it out or it's like kind of the, you know, the cool oh, thing? It's- it didn't make any sense to me. It's like where the dudes hang out and cut their own hair or something. Yeah, this is what football teams do. All the football teams now, when they build their training facilities, like Clemson has the slide, and they all have all these bells and whistles. So it's like, oh, a barbershop, you know? It's where you can hang out and get your new fresh cut before the next meet. But is there a barber on staff? Like, it's just like the NBA. I mean, the NBA Why guys- are you getting hung up over this? Who cares? Gosh. I don't know. Anyway. Progress. I'm curious, though, of the events here, because, look, a lot of these athletes that entered in multiple events, we don't know exactly what they're running, but, like, part of me is, like, look, Cole Hawker needs the Olympic standard in the 1500. Is this going to be, are we going to see a super fast 1500 here? He's entered, Coupetier's entered, you know, do, do we see them go for an Olympic standard on Friday in the 1500? I don't really know. He's also entered in the 800. That's not till Saturday. I'm kind of curious, though. I think it would be fun if that... Could you imagine, like, the first meet in Haywood Field and Cole Hawker runs, like, a collegiate record in the 1500? Why wouldn't they run a collegiate record? Why wouldn't they run fast? Every race I know of in college is always rabbited, so I don't expect to see a tactical race. I We're going to get Hawker versus Tier in a 1500? I can't wait, because I'm still not convinced that Hawker is better than Tier. We're going to find out for sure here. I, I'm leaning towards the fact that, yes, Hawker is better than Tier. He's the real deal, and... He's never going to lose a tier again, but I could be changed by this weekend. I can't wait to see this, but wait, so you're, you're confirming to me, John, that they both have not gone pro and they're both running for Oregon this weekend because this shows you the conflict of interest in this sport. Someone posted it up on the message board. I guess maybe they heard us talking about him going pro and they said like, look, you know, Nike is not going to offer them a contract until they're done with the season. Bill, and this makes sense. This is a conflict of interest in the sport. And there's nothing wrong with conflict of interest, people. We all have conflict of interest. But Phil Knight is not going to offer money to have an Oregon athlete go pro in the middle of the season when, he, if they stay in the, on the team, they're going to win another national championship for the University of Oregon. He loves the University of Oregon. But if he was at another school, pro and hawker and tier very well could be pro. And don't tell me that never happens. It happens all the time, John. You've got a better memory than me. Tell me that the runners that have gone pro in the middle of the season. Well, Sammy Watson and Lena Irby did it, I think, two years ago, and they were both NCAA champions. It was weird, though. They were kind of were, they were going when their stock was dropping, as if maybe to preserve it, where this would be different. This would be sort of like selling high. But yes, they are both entered Cole Hawker and Cupertino under Oregon, you know, the Oregon singlet, and I assume they will run some event for Oregon this weekend. There's a way to watch this stuff on TV. 
I reached out to that PR person to see if they were streaming it and have not heard a response. I'm going to message them back, but haven't heard any details on streaming yet. Well, I'll tell you that much. Well, then contact them then. I will send, I'm not flying out there, but John wants to go. Well, then I'll send you with the, with the equipment. And I'll, I'll put it on the plane and you guys can stream this damn thing. I'm sure they have the equipment. It's not hard to stream a meet. Then you boys can both go out there. I'm sure the Pac-12 network would stream it before us. This is a college with multi-million dollar TV deals. I don't think they need us to go out there and do it. I haven't heard of being streamed, though. I haven't seen any listing on it yet, so they need to get on that. Okay, they can pay us to do it, then, if we'll do it. Okay, shall we go? The other big race this weekend is the Istanbul Half Marathon. And that's not a sentence I thought I'd be saying about a month ago, but... It's true. The fields are fantastic. On the men's side, we've got the showdown that we wanted at the Kenyan Cross-Country Championships, but that didn't really materialize, which is Kibiwak Kandye, the world record holder in the half marathon, against Jeffrey Kamroor, the former world record holder, three-time world half marathon champion. They did race the Kenyan Cross-Country Champs in February, but Kamuro dropped out in the middle of the race. I haven't really heard an explanation as to why. Candier got second behind Rogers Quemoy. Those two headline the men's field. You've also got Amder Work Well Legner, who was the bronze medalist at the World Half Championships from Ethiopia last year. And then the women's race is totally stacked. You've got Yelimzov Yahuwalor, second fastest woman all time, 64-46. Bridget Kosgai, the marathon world record holder. You've got Ruth Chepengedich, the world champion in the marathon, and Perez Jepchirchir, who is the world half marathon champion, women's only, women's only half marathon world record holder and the Valencia marathon champion, and Milat Kajeta of Germany, who was the silver medalist at the world half champ. So you've got all three medalists from the world half on the women's side, and the world record, I think, is, is in danger of 64-31 by Ababel Yashana. She seems to be sort of the only top half marathon who's not in this race. But I'm very excited. I want to see Kibiwat Kandier against Camberor, and I want to see if the world record goes down in this loaded women's race. These races are sick. I think the world record will go in the women's race. We shouldn't say that so casually, but like if a record doesn't go now in a race in the era of super shoes, it's a bit disappointing. But this women's field's so good. You got Yahweh, number two all-time. I guess she's 15 seconds off the world record. Bridget Kosky, who's run three seconds slower than that marathon world record holder get three more women under 10506 or better you know that's within 35 seconds of the record so they got a decent shot at it the men's records i mean i guess i shouldn't say it's crazy because candy ran 5732 last year and he's in this field but he put that one down there so well that it's gonna be hard to beat, beat that one but Props. I'm just kind of amazed some of these races. Is this a mass participation race or these guys in Turkey just got money to throw around during COVID? Because there's no London, there's no Boston this spring, but we've still got some international road racing going on. So props to the people. I've got good news, folks. Got my Dark Scott weather app open. Temperature is going to be in the, assuming the race is in the morning, temperature is going to be in the 50s, the dew point in the 40s, pretty low wind. World record, here we go. All right, we have an Olympic team to pick, so before we do that real quick, we could talk about one future potential potential future Olympian. On the high school ranks, Hobbs Kessler, the 357 miler who came out of nowhere to run 357. Well, not totally out of nowhere, but we were shocked when he did it. 
He's not just a one-trick pony. He ran 839 for two miles. And did you guys see a clip of this, the final 200? I mean, the time doesn't shock me. That's only like a 401 mile. Generally, sometimes the high school is a little bit better at the mile than the two mile. But to me, just watching him run, he's just so smooth. Yeah, Robert, it was phenomenal. I mean, 834, sorry, 839. I'm not totally surprised, even though it is the fifth fastest time, fourth fastest time ever by a high schooler in the two mile, just because, you know, you run 357 with, you know, it's not total shock. But I was watching this and I was like, looking at his last 200, I'm like, Oh my god, he just looks so smooth and easy. Like he didn't even look like he was trying. And I was like, is that really what fifty like he closed in fifty four ninety nine for his last lap? I'm like, is that actually what that pace looks like? And then I looked at the splits and apparently he ran twenty five oh nine for his first two hundred his last lap, and then twenty nine ninety one for his second two hundred, which made a lot more sense to me because otherwise I was like, have I just lost the plot on what fifty four second four hundred place looks like? Okay, I'm I'm comprehending, John, what you're saying here. Because I saw the last 200. I knew he ran a 55-second last 400. And I just thought, this is the smoothest 55 I've ever seen in my life. I'm like, this is stunning. But now, what you, John, I mean, God, nothing gets by you. He ran 25 the first 200? I'm actually surprised he could run any 225. Still impressive as hell. That was still a pretty smooth thirty, just kind of jogging in. He made thirty second pace look like he's jogging. That's even more impressive. I didn't know the splits were like that, John. Because what's interesting here, and this proves two things. Well, first of all, there was wind. I did read there was wind on the final two hundred in your face, and then so he's benefiting from wind on the first two hundred and hurting in the last two hundred. But it doesn't look like a twenty nine. It does look effortless, but it doesn't look like he's tying up. I and mean, that's a huge tie-up at some level, even if there is wind. It's, you know, you think it's a 27-second – you think the wind's worth two seconds on the one way and two seconds on the other way? I don't think it's that big of a wind. So he's tying up a little bit, but he doesn't look like he's tying up. And that proves my point. The guys that and the gals that had the super form, like the Centros, and I had a guy named Owen Kemple who was a 407-miler in high school at Cornell. He had beautiful form. They, they never looked tired. So people are like, oh, they're not going hard. I'm like – even when they're tying up, they just don't look tired. Their form is so beautiful. That's just the way it is. So props to Kessler. The, the, the national record, I think, is 829 for U.S. high schoolers. He very well could do that if he, if he got in the right type of race. It's just hard to find a two-miler, two-mile where, where it's, you know, anywhere rapid. Maybe he get in the pre-two-mile if he doesn't run the pre-mile, if they have it. But Well, that's not till August. What, one last thing on this, Robert, just to talk about his speed. I mean, this is a guy, he ran the Michigan workout, the famed workout that Ron Warhurst has all his athletes do. And Nick Willis, this was a couple weeks ago, he tweeted out the fastest 400. So it's 1,600, 1,200, 800, 400, and you got some tempos in between. And he said the fastest 400 to end the Michigan workout up until yesterday had been 51.9. Hobbs closed in 50.4. Who runs a 400 PR at the end of a workout like in Michigan? So this is a freaking high schooler running the fastest Final, the fastest 400 in a Michigan that Nick Willis has ever heard of. I mean, this guy's speed, his natural speed is just ridiculous. That's pretty crazy when you think about who have run those Michigan workouts. Alan Webb. I assume Alan Webb, yeah, right? Yeah. Kevin Sullivan. Nate Brannon. Nick Willis. Uh, like, I'm just sort of passing over Nick, who has an Olympic silver and Olympic bronze medal in the 1500. It's kind of crazy how these other guys you act like they're better than Nick. Like, oh, Alan Webb's better than Nick. We can have that whole discussion. Like, who's got more talent, Alan Webb or Nick Willis? But let's save that for another day. But guys, 
I'm, I'm going to tap the brakes here. We've received an email. This is the email of the week. What do you get from the email of the week, Robert? Do you get a free Let's Run.com t-shirt? I think if we make a big deal of it, you do. At least this week for sure. Go to shop.letsrun.com to get your cool, iconic Let's Run.com shirt or the 15940 goat shirts. Here it is. The email of the week from Derek M. I was at the two-mile race this weekend, and I have to say, I was a bit unimpressed. Most runners appreciate all-out, gut-busting efforts. While Kessler's run was incredible from a time perspective, it looked way too easy. The crowd should have been left in awe of Gavin Cherry. For you guys who don't know, Gavin Cherry is a guy who passed out right before the finish, or fell down and stumbled across the line and still broke nine minutes. Continuing on. That kid had no chance at victory, yet he convinced himself otherwise and did everything in his power to drop Hobbs. Kessler's 64-55 final 800 is clearly an indication he was just trying to win. Meanwhile, Sherry threw himself over the finish line after he collapsed, showing that he was willing to go to a very dark place to beat another racer. So what can Hobbs run for two miles? I have no clue, and he didn't show me this past weekend. So his complaint is Hobbs Kessler is too good? Yeah, I don't really buy that. John, 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 you're one of the few privileged few. We're, we're against privilege these days. Most people actually never win a race, if you think about it. Well, I don't know if that's actually true or not. And what are they doing? They're time traveling the whole way. Running for them is about all pure guts. It's about Steve Prefontaine mashing it, mashing it. Only the few privileged people up front have the, have the beauty of sort of like uh, backing off and just kicking in or going for the win. So some people appreciate the time trialing efforts. Hobbs Kessler, he's what's wrong with track and field in America. Who did the leading on this one early on? Do we know who was like leading the races? But this this is a I mean, well, you're right. Like most people are time trialing every race. The 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 winner doesn't have the time trial, particularly at the high school and college level. Where, you know, do we have a rule written they have to run all out in every race? Like no, that's what a tactical race is. So we're gonna give a T-shirt out for a bad take. I mean, it's an interesting take, but the point of of running is to get there. Well, I guess there's two points. One is to beat everybody else. And two is to run as fast as you can. But, I mean, generally from like a, a biological evolutionary standpoint, isn't it to like all you have to do is be faster than the animal that's chasing you or faster than the animal that you're chasing. So, Hebs Cops Kessler was faster than them. and he- Well, not even that. You got to be faster than the person the person who is like if, you're, if it's chasing a pack of you, you just need to be faster than the slowest human and you're good. And I just... I don't know. Like he ran eight thirty nine. He ran one of the fastest times ever. He ran, had this incredible close. I'm not. I don't come away disappointed because he didn't try to run eight. Like de- try to break the national record in a freaking outdoor race in March. I'm just. That's not going to get me pa- my panties in a bunch. Yeah. No. For me, the point. What's well, interesting? Like you're doing a sprint. You're probably trying to run as fast as possible. But I think the first point of running is to win the race. Once you've got Absolutely. that wrapped up, you don't have to run any harder than that. If you're not winning the race, yeah, then you're running as hard as you can because you're not winning the race. Yeah, you earn that right. By winning the race, you earn the right not to go to the well. Unless it's like unless you promote it as a record attempt and then you back up. That That's a kind of lame source. But if you're winning the race, this wasn't promoted as far as I know as a record attempt. I have no issue with what he did. There's no style points in running. And also, I mean, I'm sure Gavin Cherry was like just tapped out. But sometimes, like, tensing up, oh, you know, like, really showing it. Some people like that, the mental side, the facing, the, that is actually very counterproductive. 
So you want to be as relaxed as possible. Just yes, there is no question about it. Hobbs wasn't going all out, but let's say I don't think he was rigging up at the end. I think he'd actually backed off a bit off the pace. But if he was rigging up and he could keep his composure and look like that, it just shows that's the way you want to run. You want to be as composed as possible. It's like in soccer, you want to score goals. When Brighton and Crystal Palace were playing a couple weeks ago, I'm surprised we didn't mention this in the podcast, Crystal Palace had the ball in the opponent's box, Brighton, two times. They ended up with two goals and won the game. Brighton lost. It was a great and glorious day. I'm not going to let you guys get in a soccer match. I agree with the emailer in the sense of I love to see people's passion. I love to see when it's obvious that the person is trying hard and that it means a lot to them. When it's too smooth, it's not as fun to watch. Like I, To me, watching Webb and the muscles and the passion and the grit, that was amazing. So at least we should maybe teach them how to act, you know, show that a little bit. Let's pick, but let's pick a little Olympic team, folks. We've got 10 events to pick, and we don't have a lot of time. I've got to get out of here in less than 30 minutes. Let's start with the lowest event and go to the highest event, John. Is that the way we should do it? 800 women, 800 men, 1,500, etc. That works for me. Now, Weldon, are you prepared for this? Because I know I did my homework and Robert did some studying. And then, Weldon, it's like an hour before we're supposed to record. And like the kid who shows up who hasn't studied for the test, he's like, wait a minute, we're picking the team today? Like, can I see, do you have any cheat sheets or anything you can show me? So I'm like, well, I guess I can, but it kind of defeats the purpose because I've outlined who I'm going to pick. Weldon, do you feel prepared for this at all? Totally unprepared, totally unprepared, full disclosure in advance. I got some hot takes on Drew Wendell. I needed the cheat sheet. Then we had a heating emergency in the house. Had to deal with that. I asked for an extra 45 minutes. And in that 45 minutes, I looked at the men's 800. Maybe one other thing. So, But I've got your cheat sheet. I'm ready to go. I've got some hot takes and some of these other ones. I kind of glanced ahead. I'm ready to go to provide some. I'm going to be the rojo of today's podcast. Can I say one thing before we do this? I'm, I'm pissed to hear that. I forgot that the pre-classic is in August because – I wanted Kessler to break Webb's record in that early and then go pro. I wanted Hawker to run like 347 there as well and then go pro. And now we're not going to have that. They might not even run it in August. Anyways. Well, but, bro, we do have we have the Oregon, the like USATF Grand Prix. They're having some pro meet at Haywood Field and like, oh, I think it's April 24th. That so. so what? That doesn't mean they're going to run 347 in the mile. Anyways, let's go to the women's 800. This to me is easy. I've got my team picked. We obviously, America has two. We have the silver and bronze medalists from the last world championship teams. Please tell me that everyone's picking Ajay Wilson and Raven Rogers for the team. Is that correct? Yeah, no debate on that. Who's your third pick? A thing, Mo. Texas A&M freshman. She ran 158 indoors. I mean, she's clearly super fit. She has won a U.S. senior title in 2019. She beat Raven Rogers in the 600 USA's. When Raven Rogers went on to medal at Worlds that year, clearly she's a lot better now than she was then. Uh, it's a competitive field. Don't get me wrong. Hannah Green, Sierra Brown was a world championship finalist, but I th- I'm riding with the thing, Mo. I am not. I-, I don't have any confidence in her ability. She didn't even win the NCAA 400-meter championship. Do I really think that she can put it together over three days at this age? Donovan Brazier couldn't do it four years ago. It's nothing knocking her talent. I'm not saying she doesn't have world championship gold medal type talent. She does at some level potentially, but I'm going with the same team that we had in 2019. And a lot of my picks are going to be that way. Hannah Green's been working on her endurance, running a bunch of miles indoors. She won, She did run an 800 and 201, won it. I've got faith in her coming through the trials. She's a proven runner. She's worked on that strength. 
400 speed is nice, but it's not that nice in the third race in three day in what four or five days. The same, it'll be the same team as three years ago. Remember, Hannah Green beat Raven Rogers in 2019. She will make the team. The same three team from 2019 will be on this year's Olympic team. Hannah Green beat Raven Rogers at the trials. Wow. I'm sorry, I'm not really prepared for the women's 800. The sexism, John had the men's listed first in the cheat sheet, so I didn't. I thought it was event by event, but I realized now I didn't actually look at any of the women. Um, yeah, Wilson and Rogers, and it's going to be interesting. This is so loaded. I mean, Sierra Brown has been really good, too. Kind of like what she'd done the last year is a question mark for me. Man, I think most talent is so amazing, but... Until this indoor season, right? She had, everyone she viewed herself for high school. She was a phenomenal 800 meter runner, but world class, she was more 400, 600 runner than 800. So, does she hold up under the rounds? Gosh, I'm gonna. Pick, oh man, I kind of like man. I gotta pick a thing, Mo, because I think if 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 she makes the team, she could medal. I mean. Anyone who makes this team in the U.S. can medal. Come on with a gold medal at the Worlds. It, it, that's how talented the U.S. team is. Maybe, I don't. I don't like Hannah Green's chances for a gold in the, at the Worlds, but I think if the thing Mo is your third runner, she, she could win it. So I'm going to go with Wilson Rogers and Mo. One thing I would say is maybe we have this wrong in the sense that we're debating. It seems to be between you know the third spot, Mo, Mo or Green or whatever. Raven Rogers. I mean, I did pick her, but. To me, there's some question marks there. What has she done under Pete Julian? Absolutely nothing. She's, she hasn't run faster than 201 under Pete Julian. I'm not saying Pete Julian's not a good coach, but she got world championship silver and then switches coaches. Admittedly, it was a COVID year, but, you know, and she was winning this race. She ran in Sweden. She ran 201. Well, she got second in that race, 201.02, and then won a race in 201.24. But that's the fastest she's run in the 800. And then indoors, she was supposed to race, pulled out with COVID, and then never showed up again. So she has not raced at all indoors. If she's not healthy, that makes me a little bit nervous. So that's just something to consider. Moving on to the men's side. Obviously, this is a loaded event as well for America. I mean, the women's team is extremely strong. The men's team is extremely strong as well. We've got the reigning world championship gold medalist in Donovan Brazier. Let's be honest. He's on the team. But four years ago at the last Olympics, we also had a medalist in Clayton Murphy. People seem to famously forgot about him because Bryce Hopple, fourth at the last Worlds. Everyone's got Brazier and Murphy. I mean, Hopple, right? Everyone's got Brazier and Hopple on the team. Who's the third pick for you guys? Yes, I have Brazier and Hopple. And for me, it really, I mean, I think this race for third is going to be terrific because Clayton Murphy, as you said, Robert, I mean, if you look at what he's done, 142 in 2016, bronze medalist of the Olympics, two-time U.S. champ in this event. He's run 143 or faster every year from 2016 through 2019. He didn't race at all last summer, and he only raced once this year indoors, ran 148, didn't look very good. But he wasn't 100% for that. And But then you've also got Isaiah Harris. Now, Isaiah Harris is two years younger than Clayton Murphy. He's 24, Murphy's 26. He's run 144.4, so not quite as fast. He had, but he almost made the team in 2019, and that was coming off sort of an incomplete season. And there was an SI joints injury earlier that year. It kind of derailed him. This year, he ran 146 outdoors in Austin. He did run 148 in his indoor opener. He didn't look great. But his recent USAs, I mean, he was second in 17, second in 18, fourth in 19. He's really good as well. 
And uh, it, it's re- I'm having a really hard time between those two. Because if you look at what Murphy's done, you say he's he's pretty much superior in every area. But am I just going to pick the same team as last time? Uh, you know, is he still going to be able to get back to that ability? I think I'm going to throw kind of a couple here. I think I'm going to go Isaiah Harris over Clayton Murphy, even though you know it wouldn't surprise me at all if Clayton Murphy, uh, you know, makes the team yet again. I'm going to be lame and do what I did on the women's side and pick the exact same team from 2019. I'm going with Murphy over Harris. Why? I just looked at the indoor stats. Everyone's like, oh, Murphy did so bad. He ran 148.40 indoors in Arkansas on January 31st. Well, guess what? Isaiah Harris, who you just picked at the team, and yes, he's run 146 outdoors. Where did he open up? He ran 148.41, one hundredth of a second slower than Murphy did on February 21st. Now, Murphy may have gotten dinged up in that race and not been able to train, which is interesting because you want to, we don't have a lot of time here, 90 days or something like that. So you've got to be healthy. But I just think, I mean, we've seen it. Murphy's peak Murphy is better than peak, peak Harris. No doubt. No doubt. Uh, I'm going to go with that. So got about three minutes max per event. Let's move on to the 1500. Are we not going to get Weldon's picks on that? He said it disappeared. So apparently not. No, we don't need his picks. Oh, come on, we, we, we've analyzed what needs to be analyzed. There. He was going to go on a rant about Drew Wendell. He's going to miss out on that now. All right, that's fine. Uh, one guy to keep an eye on, Devin Dixon, Texas A&M. He ran 144 behind Harper at NCAAs in 2019. He still has eligibility. We'll see him running outdoors. He could factor in that. He could be college guy X that we talked about last week. Uh, let's move on. Women's 1500, Robert. Who do you got? Well, Shelby Houlihan, the American record holder, is a lock for me. I'm assuming this is her baby. This is the one she wants. I'm putting her on the team. After that, I'm having some trouble. I mean, do do we know what you know Ellie Perrier is going to do? We don't. I my I'm walking under the assumption that she will run the five thousand because I think that is an easier team for her to make. So that would be my guess. But I don't know. That's that's sort of the assumption I'm working under. Well, I think Perrier is better than Simpson now. I'm going to pick Perrier over Simpson if she runs it. So my picks would be Houlihan, Perrier, and then I need a third pick. And I've, I've said in the past that I think Jenny Simpson's time has passed, and I've gone with Sinclair Johnson. Um, and I, why would I change what I said? Uh, that's a bold pick, but I'm going to be rewarded for being bold. I'm not as confident as I was. You know, I mean, I guess she ran the big negative split 800 indoors, but or in the winter. But it's not like Sinclair has blown me away during the indoor season. But Jenny Simpson hasn't raced at all, so I'm not saying that's as a knock on Jenny. Jenny always gets it right. She seems to always get her peak together. It's probably really stupid to leave Jenny off the team because whatever. But I don't see any of these other women making it. I mean, there's a lot of women in the U.S. Tons of women. You know, Shan Osika and. Heather McLean and all these people that have run four flat, four one, four two, stuff like that. But I, I just think it's really, you know, Nikki Hiltz made it last time. But who, who do you have, John? Yeah, Shelby for sure. I think she picks the fifteen hundred. Um, I'm still not certain that that's her best event to medal. I, I think it probably is at the world at the Olympics. But I mean, she's now one of the fastest women ever in the five thousand. Has talked about the world record in the event. I think it's not inconceivable she picks that event, but. Yeah, I'm picking her. Uh, I picked Sinclair Johnson, and then I just, I don't know, part of me just jiggered this team around the way that I want to make sure. Like, I don't want to pick against Jenny Simpson. I picked against her too many times in the past, so, like, not thinking she was going to medal. So 
I'm just like, how is a way that I can have Simpson and Parrier on the team? All right, I'm just going to pick Simpson to make the 1500 team, and I'm going to put Parrier in the 5K. So that's what I've done. My team is Houlihan, Simpson, and Johnson. But this is one of the things that drives me nuts about the Olympics. They don't make the doubles doable. You're going to have a watered down field. The 1500 is much harder to me to make in metal. You're going to have, assuming Hassan does it, you have Hassan, keep Yegon. To me, the 5000, I mean, does Kenya even have anyone in that? I mean, you've got Gade from Ethiopia. To me, that seems kind of watered down. Seems like some of the half people might go to the 10. They might not come back for the five. So it bothers me. They should have the, we want the best. Runners running the 15, we want the best runners running the 5. I don't want some watered-down Vianesti and Niam Gabo 1996 Olympic situation where Haile Gabriel didn't bother to come back for the 5,000 because he wanted to set a world record, and Niam Gabo ended up being the 5,000-meter you know, gold medalist. Okay, had to step away for a second. Oh, I'm glad to see, see you guys making composite picks here so I can just really cheat off those. John doesn't think Ellie Perry is going to make the team. Why? Are you guys nuts? Oh, my God. It's not what I said. I said she thinks she's going to run the 5K and make that team. Let's assume that she runs the 1500. Who do you have on the team? If she runs the 1500, I'd bump off Sinclair Johnson and have Shelby, Jenny, and Puria. Okay. Well, then who do you have? I've got I've got Puria. What's the order of the events? The, the, the finals are within like half an hour of each other. You we don't need to worry about the orders of events. If they run it, who makes it? You can pick three, and then if, if, say, if they're not four. My picks, I'm going to put Jenny on the team if Puria opts for the five. Otherwise, she's not on this team. I'm putting Jenny on the team regardless. I'm going Houlihan, Simpson, Puria. Everybody else, sorry. You're staying at home. Okay, men's 1500 is a tough one for me. I We've got the reigning Olympic champion, Matthew Sensowitz. I have him on this team. And then after that, I don't know. Craig Ingalls won the 2019 Worlds. Josh Thompson was third. Ben Blankenship. You've got Cole Hawker, Cooper Tier. Don't sleep on Robbie Andrews. He's coming back from injury. Yeah, I don't know what the hell to think. Because, look, the guy who's running best right now of all of these guys is Cole Hawker, quite clearly. And the problem is, A, he doesn't have the Olympic standard. And I, John, B, I, don't, I don't understand why you keep bringing that up. Why is it relevant that he doesn't have the Olympic standard? He's run 350 in the mile. He can easily get the Olympic standard. His world ranking will probably be high enough to get in the damn meet. Like, you keep acting like this is going to be hard to do. In the era of super shoes, getting the Olympic standard is not going to be a problem for someone like that. So, next. Thank you, Robert. Thank you. This isn't like 2004 when the U.S. is going to have a guy, guy struggling to hit the Olympic standard in the 1500, especially with Super This shoes. happened in 2019, two years ago. The guy who got third at USA's didn't have the standard. 2016, we had like four guys in the whole field had the standard. Like, and that was a lot easier standard than 335 flat. I, I think you got, look, he'll probably get it. I don't think it's going to be a hindrance, but I don't think, I don't think it's something, I think it's something we should be noting. Also, this, if he runs the 1500 at Haywood Field this weekend, that will be the first 1500 of Cole Hawker's entire life. Now, this isn't like, obviously he's run the mile. He's the NCAA mile champion. But I do find it kind of crazy that a guy who could be, you know, he's the best at right now in this event. He's never actually run this event. Yep. And I, uh, this is going to sound crazy, but we've had this discussion before in the podcast. 
He's not as good at the 50. The 1500 and the mile aren't exactly the same thing. He's better at the mile than he is at 1500. That does make me a, a little bit nervous. But look, I've got Central on the team. I've got Cole Hawker on the team. And first of all, we don't need to pick. Let's just pick who's going to finish top three at the trials, John. We don't need to worry about it as a damn standard. I'm talking about who's beating who at, at, in the race. So we don't have to hear about this. We don't need to hear some nerd talk about who's got the standard or <laughs> not. It's finally come out. It took two years of podcasting, and Robert's called me a nerd. But anyway, who's your pick for third? You've got Centro and Hawker, Robert. I don't change what I what I tell the podcast and the listeners. What did I? Okay. Who, who has been my pick? I'm not real confident in this, but I don't want to be like an idiot. I picked Jared Nagus as a wild card way back, and he's done well. He was just 25th in the NCAA cross country. Actually, over the weekend, he ran 13:40. He blew everybody away in the 5,000 at the rally. Relays won by like five seconds. Beat all the Oregon, all, all the other Notre Dame guys in the 5Ks. So that makes me feel okay. Except for the fact that I realized, like, Central's a 13 flat guy. This guy's 1340. Craig Ingalls, who won the last USA's, is in roughly the same shape. He's run 1336 for 5,000 recently. So Ingalls has got a much better PR. He's got the proven credentials. But I'm going to have to say, Ingalls, and I loved his high school coach, Chris Catton. Ingalls just misses out yet again. I've got Hawker, Centro, and Nagus. But you shouldn't pick Nagus. Like if you were if you were putting the odds, he would not be the third pick. Oh, Robert! But you actually just made me want to pick him. Now you're like after he, I'm like, oh, he just looked good at the Raleigh relays, and he comes around. I mean, he's doing been doing 10k training. I assume you know. I know that they've got the Olympic trials in mind, but he's, you know he's training to run NCAA cross until two weeks ago. But now I'm like, oh man, yeah, he's the NCAA champ. He could be. That was two years ago. Like could be even better. He, he's definitely in the mix. I don't know. I, I think I'm going to be boring here. And pick the same. The I I think Craig Engels will turn it around and be fine. Like he wasn't like blowing people away indoors, but you know he still ran three thirty six at New Balance Indoor Grand Prix. I mean three thirty six in February. That's that's fine. And he's the U.S. champ in twenty nineteen, World Championship finalist. I believe he'll turn it around and make the team. And then it's really that third spot, and it's like, do I trust Cole Hawker, a nineteen year old, to make it through three rounds and you know deliver at the trials? Obviously, he's running super well. Johnny Gregoric, the Massachusetts guy, made the World Championship final in twenty seventeen. Great close. Sam Prakel's running well. Ben Blankenship was an Olympic finalist in twenty sixteen. Oh, this lost spot. I mean, I really who the hell knows. I I really liked what I saw from Josh Thompson in twenty nineteen and twenty twenty. He just Hasn't really done that much recently. I I think I'm going to trust Jerry and Thompson to turn it around because Thompson didn't do a ton going into the you know USA's in 2019 and still made that team. So I'm going to sort of wuss out. I mean, I do think Centro, I don't have any doubts about him. I'm going to wuss out and pick the same team from 2019, Centro, Engels, and Thompson, and I'm prepared to be wrong. Well, there's more. Maybe it's just sort of what event people are into i kind of thought this event stacked then i can look at it the other ways and be like uh none of these guys are going to do anything so you got to put centro on it i can easily tell you why ingles isn't going to make the team i can easily tell you why josh thompson's not going to make the team i can tell you why everyone else below them is not going to make the team it's also crazy that ben blankenship made an olympic final because i don't think he's making this team you guys didn't mention though dark horse pick hobbs kessler just trying to see how you guys would react to that. That was kind of that was fake. That was an April Fool's right there. Okay, you guys. So that's clearly not going anywhere. I'm going Centro Ingles. Okay, I'm just on the Cole Hawker train right now. Cole Hawker. 
well, next like taking a three fifty miler to make the team and stuff. Although I guess you know Johnny Gregoric ran three forty nine ninety eight, not in the super shoes a number of years ago, and I guess he did make a world championship final. But I don't view him as some like unbeatable guy. So th- this is going to be a, a fun event. Women's steeple is the next one event. We don't even need to spend more than thirty seconds on this. The team is already set uh, quickly. Um, Coburn and Freiricks. Yeah, unless there's an injury, that's the team. Men's side, this is where things get a little bit more interesting. Okay, your top contenders, obviously Evan Jager. Still hasn't broken that eight-flat barrier. And really, he hasn't done anything in three years in the steeple. Is that right? That's crazy. He missed 2019 with injury. Last year was COVID. and I mean, to think his the best days aren't behind him, you got to think that, right? I mean, it's way more likely that we're not going to see a sub eight except for super shoes, man. But I, I don't know. He's not old enough. He could still put it all together, even not in nerve super shoes. I think at his age and still have his best year ever. But most likely, his best years were five or six years ago. It's crazy to think that. Well, it's not that crazy. He's thirty-two. I mean, yeah, he's the best steepler ever, and now he's getting older. But I still think he'll be on this team. But I mean, so then on paper, it's like obvious. The next two PBs are eight oh eight. Hillary Bourne, Stanley Kevin, I eight oh eight. Um, like Don Cabral was run eight thirteen. That's five second gap. That was way back. You know he's hoping to make another Olympic team. But looking at your cheat sheet, John, this is great. He hasn't broken eight thirty since two thousand seventeen. I mean, I'm sounding smart here, aren't I? Robert, I think had Anthony Rotich like what, like winning a medal in the fifteen hundred. Why do you have him on your fifteen hundred meter team, Robert? <laughs> That he's a former in three-time NCAA steeple champ. His PB though is only eight twenty-one. Mason Furlick's running well this year. Just ran thirteen twenty-five. He's only an eight twenty-one guy. Andy Bayer finally made a world's team, but he's like semi-retired right now, focusing on like an engineering degree or something like that. So, oh, look, man. this isn't that I think hard. You probably go. I don't, I don't know. Jager, you know, you don't take him off. Kevin A. I don't know. Kevin hasn't raced in a year, though. This is insane. This isn't that hard. I, I don't need to hear Weldon do the research on his mind. This, this, look, Jager's on the team. Hillary Bohr's on the team. Hillary Bohr won the trials last time, and he's just run 13.26 for 5,000 in Austin. He's in shape. He's in the same shape as Furley, but he's got a better pedigree. So those two are on the team. The third spot is the third pick. Stanley Kevin has not been racing indoors. I know he's run, what, under 810, but his wife had twins. The fact that he didn't race indoors, come on. I've got one kid. It's hard to take care of one kid. I can't imagine having two. He's not going to make the team. The third question is the third pick. For me, it's Anthony Rochich. I like him. He's run, you know... 1335 indoors or indoors, 752. We know he's in pretty good shape. He takes a step up. He's the third pick. Wow. Robert, this is history, people. Robert has picked some against someone because they had twins. Does your twin membership get revoked for that, Robert? No, Robert acts like no one with more than one child has ever made an Olympic team. It's just sort of crazy. Billions of people have 10 kids and make Olympic teams. Mo Farah had twins in like in the middle of one of the most dominant stretches of his life. Galen Rupp had didn't his wife give birth to twins and then he broke the American record like two weeks later or something? Like this is look, I understand it's a complication on your life, but it is possible to run well while having kids. 
And as a result, I am picking Kebane on the team. I just think 808, I mean, if he... Th- th- this is a big question about, about him, no doubt. Because he I mean, he tried to run... He ran the Olympic marathon trials and dropped out a year ago. Like, he was going to do that three months before the Olympic trials on the track. Uh, that's kind of crazy. But, you know, he's run 808, and he was 5th and 10th at the last two world champs. I, I, I'm taking that pedigree over Mason Folick, who's been in good form, but hasn't shown the same level of ability in the steeple. Uh, and then I, I'm picking Boar. He's the reigning champ. Uh, he's just been pretty consistent the last few years. So my team is Jacob Boar and Cabernet. If there are questions over Cabernet, I think it's Rotich or Folek for the last spot. And I'm I'm leaning towards Folek, actually. So that's... But I'm going Jacob Boar, Cabernet. Okay. I'll throw Boar on the team as well, which means we all agreed, which means this will not be your Olympic team for sure. No, no, no. Robert picked Rotich over Cabernet. Oh, okay. We don't agree. So one of us will be right. But Kevin A, like, uh, and Robert doesn't like the grittiness and the, and the toughness. But that guy, he wants it, you know? They all want it, but sometimes you just see, like, he's done it. He's put it together. I feel like if somebody can get it ready for the trials, he's got to try to make an Olympic team. So He, he hasn't made an Olympic team before. That is worth noting. Boa and Jager have both made it. Don Cabral's made two, in fact. Uh, Stanley Cabernet's never made an Olympic team. But I don't give him any sort of grit edge. I mean, he, they all want it really hard. You think that Evan Jager doesn't want it? Like, come on. I, I don't see anyone being more gritty than anyone else in this race. Uh, you guys don't like that. It's like old school takes and running. Who tries the hardest wins. All right, women's 5K. A lot of contenders here. Um, Carissa Schweizer, I think. I mean, assuming Houlihan runs the 1500, I think we're all making that assumption. And remember, Emily Sisson is only running the 10 count thousand. She's already announced that, so she won't be in this race. Uh, you got Carissa Schweizer, number two all-time in the US, 1426. I think we're all going to sit pick Schweizer on the team here. Any debate about that? She's not healthy. She doesn't make the team, but we'll put her on the team. Okay, well, I'm picking her. And then, like I said before, I think Puria, I'm picking her in the 5K, just so I can put Jenny Simpson in the 1500. So I'm going to pick Puria here. And then I think the third spot, I'm going to with, with Elise Cranny. And it's remember, the 5K is before the 10K at the Olympic trials. I, I think Cranny, you know, she ran 14.48 last year. She's been great this year. Beat Carissa Schweizer in that 10K in February. Now, you know, there's a bunch of athletes who are going to be in the mix here. Shannon Robery, the former American record holder, she's 36 now, but she did run 14.02 and 14.55 last, sorry, 4.02 and 14.55 last year. I mean, she looked pretty good. You know, that look, that's, you could make the team off of that sort of stuff. Uh, Emily Infeld, she ran 1451 last year. If she can stay healthy, she's a big talent. She would have made the team in 16. She gave up a spot to Abby D'Agostino. Vanessa Fraser's run 1448. You know, there are a bunch of contenders, but I'm going Schweizer, Puria, and Cranny. But if Puria runs the 15, who's your fourth? Ooh. I think I'll take Infeld if she's healthy, and if Infeld's not healthy, I would take Robery. But I think Infeld will be put it together by the time. Infeld even want to run the five at the Olympics? If she doesn't make the 10K team, yeah, I'm sure she would. We, we should do the 10K two here at the same thing because I think it, it, you know the, the, the two are so related. I've got Schweizer, Perrier, if she runs it, Cranny, and then Robery. I, I think those are the four. Um, sort of in that order is is the order that I have it for the ten thousand team. This is one I've gone back and forth with. I was going to have the Jerry Schumacher uh, sweep, but 
you know, last week on the message board, someone had it out that Carissa Schweizer has been running in the B team. Remember, she lost to Frazier in the 10,000, which was kind of surprising to me. John Cranny. Pointed, she lost to Cranny. What? Yeah, she, she lost, lost to Cranny, Cranny in the 10,000. And then John pointed out to me she wasn't as good in college. She lost to Sharon Ledecky in the 10,000 as well. She's not as good at the 10,000. She's obviously not been training as well. She's back, apparently, according to the message board, she's backed off and is now in the B group with the NOP. So I, I mean, with the BTC. So I don't think she's going to make the team in the 10. I think she's going to make it in the five, but not the 10. So m- my pick is Sisson here is a lock. She's running great. And wait, are wait, we are talking we about the 10 now, Robert? Yes, 10. Okay. okay. We've got, I've got Cranny Enfield and Sisson. Well, then, can we get your 5K picks? Schweizer, Perrier, and Cranny. Uh, they pick a fourth. In case Perrier does something else, yeah. Well, yeah, because you also you already had Perrier making the fifteen hundred team. Okay. And they can't do both of the trials. Okay, Perrier makes no. one team. She runs. Her chances of making the team right actually easier in this five k. I think. I think she doesn't. Have That's why team. I think she'll run that. I think if she wants to be a sure fledged Olympian, she runs this meddling. Gosh, I don't know. It might be a little harder for her in the five k. You can I don't think she can medal in either of them, though. Like, look at the women. She's got She's got to beat freaking Kipyagon, Hassan, Houlihan, and Gudolf Sagai, who just broke the world indoor record. Like, I just don't think she has a realistic shot to medal in either event. So in that case, run the one that gives you the best shot to make the team, which is the 5K. Right. I mean, Ali Bukalski, is that how you say her name? Buhalski. Buhalski. She just dropped a 14.57. I mean, we got a lot of women now under 15 minutes, which is good. Because, but also the the bar is now getting closer to 14 minutes for the women. So, I got to replace Perrier with somebody. I guess I'll go with Frazier, but she's not healthy right now. Women's 10K. I just put Schweizer on the team. Um, yeah, Sisson for sure. I don't know which is first five or ten at the trials. 5K. I think maybe Schweizer doesn't make it. I don't know. I mean, do I leave off Huddle? I think Huddle makes it. Cranny. No, Cranny can't make that sure. I just put her on the other team. Sisson. Sisson. Infield. Infield. Huddle. Huddle. All right, I'm going to go Schweizer, Cranny, and Sisson. That's assuming... Schweizer still ran 30-47. I mean, she'll still, she still ran the number four time in U.S. history. And now we're writing her off because she's been... Spotted in some Instagram photo, maybe not working out with Shelby Houlihan. I still would pick her to make this team, but I have a feeling if she makes the 5K, she may not even run the 10K at the trials. So if she does, I think she makes it in the 10K, but my prediction is she won't and that Cranny Sisson will make the team. And then I'm going to go with Infeld there. And even if they all, if all four of them run it, I think Schweizer would give up her team to in, her spot to Infeld in the ten, in the ten k, so Infeld can run that. I mean, it's crazy. We didn't even mention Huddle, and she's won what five or six of these in a row. We've all written her off. I put her on the team. She DNF'd in that. Actually, you have Weldon did make her pick her on the team, but I mean, she just ran a race at the Sound Running Invite in a five k and couldn't even make it through. Like. She and she's also getting older. She's been training for the marathon the last few years. Now I know she was training for the marathon when she won those US titles, but that the the competition is so good and DNFing this race and looking that bad three months out, I think that's a worrying sign. And I said before I think it would be stupid to take out, you know, the American record holder, but 
they, things have changed. And at this moment, yeah, I have Schweizer Cranian Sisson. All right, guys, I have to head out. I will give you my 5,000 picks, and I will email you the official 10,000-meter picks as well. I think we have this written down in writing on a Google Doc, so at the end of the trials, we can see who was the best. But 5,000 team will be Lopez Lamont, Paul Chalimo, and Grant Fisher for the men. Well, Robert, I'm not really going to spend much time debating you on that because I have the same three guys making the team. But I do think this is an extremely deep event. I mean, I don't think it's by any means set in stone. If you look, here are the guys who've run under 13, 1306 or faster. Woody Kincaid, Emmanuel Bohr, Sean McGordy, Joe Klecker, Eric Jenkins, Ryan Hill, Ben True. I think Ryan Hill hasn't really shown anything. He could be washed up at this point. Uh, we'll see. All those other guys, I think, could be in the mix, but... I don't know, Chalimo, I mean, I'm gonna, am I going to bet against two-time world med, you know, world Olympic medalist? No, he's going to make the team. LeMong, he ran 12.58 last year. He's been in terrific form. He hasn't shown any signs of slowing down. Granted, he hasn't raced yet this year, but I'm backing his form from the last two years. He seemed to be Bauman's top guy, apart from Mohamed, who's not American. Then Grant Fisher, I mean, 13.02, closed in 55, beat some of the top rivals for the spot in McGordy and Klecker at the Sound Running Invite. Yeah, he, he looked fantastic. I think based on that performance, I'm putting him on the team. Things can change, but that that's my squad. I was too busy studying to actually hear what John's squad was. Man, Lopez, it's pretty amazing at 36. He's still running this well. I think i got to go with Chulimo and LeMong. They've done it in the past. They're championship racers. You know, am I just trying to be difficult not picking Fisher? I think that's got to be got to be my team. For some reason, even looking down at the list, it's sort of crazy. This is a very tough event, but you go way down this list, guys. We go one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten guys after we pick our team to Drew Hunter. Now, Drew Hunter gets a lot of attention. He's a very good runner. He even qualified for a world's team before. But it's just kind of crazy, right? A 13-7 PB just doesn't cut it anymore. He's got to get sub-13 this year. So this is a make-or-break make year for Drew Hunter, in my opinion. Well, we're not even talking about. I'm back, guys. I lied. But we're not even talking about Woody Kincaid either. He's a 1258 guy. We we haven't really mentioned him as a, as a team member either. Well, he's the guy I think out of the top, the guy from outside of those three I picked. I think he's probably the guy I would pick. You know, to beat maybe Grant Fisher if I was. You know, I'm picking Fisher, but I think he has the best chance to beat him just because he has a killer kick. We know this, and he's run 1258. You know, he would have been on the team in 2019 if he had the standard. So. He deserves a lot of respect. I think he's the. I think Fisher. My guess is Fisher will have surpassed him in the previous two years. But Woody Kincaid is a hell of a runner. I think he should be. You know, he'd be my pick for fourth. Why do we know he has a killer kick, John? Because I've seen. I mean, Schumacher's talked it up in the past. He was third at USA's in 2019. You need to have a kick. You know, he wasn't close between. I think he. I don't know what the gap was to fourth, but. He that's that showed he has a very good kick to me. In that race too, like I'm thinking, oh, Woody Kincaid had a one good time trial. If I'm going to knock him, he did nothing since then. But that's not the case. Like he had that good run at USA's. He went out super hard in that race. Then usually once you die, you're done. But he still hung on, made the team. So or would have made the team. <sighs> you know, sorry Malcolm Gladwell. Sorry Jonathan Galt. Been true. Looks like he won't be on an Olympic team. Well, I mean, he's wouldn't. Maybe not on the 5K team. What about the 10K? Can we get our 10K picks? Okay, here? let's go to 10K. Robert, do you want to lead off? And the 10K is run first at the trial. So 
for the men, right? I mean, this is Correct. a little bit interesting the way to think about it because everyone who's thinking about doubling is going to be here. I, I've got Shadrick Kiptrich here making his team. Um, he just did pretty well at the, at the Gay River Run. He was second last time. I've got Lamong on the team. Um, the, the team from three years ago was Lamont, Kipchuchia, Career. I don't have Career. Career only ran 1339 and 1344 in those Virginia Beach races. That's too much. To, he's too too far back to make the team. So uh, I, I think it's <laughs> Lamont. I guess I could go Lamont, Fisher, Kincaid. One, two, three. I was thinking of putting Kipchuchia on there, but. So I, I, I'm going to go Lamont. Actually, BTC sweep. Lamont, Fisher, Kincaid. There you go. I am out for good this time. See you later. Mic drop there from Robert. It's also so hard to do this because you need to know like what everybody's running and what teams they make because I'm going to redo my 5K picks. Because the 10's first. And Lamong's going to run it. He's going to make it. Do you think Fisher has to run it? I think he does have to run it. And I probably like his chances. Wow, Woody couldn't Cade run 27-12? It's just getting kind of crazy. Jenkins? I don't know. Everybody's going to have to run this event. The 10's going to be very good at the trials, John. It's day one. It's the first final uh, track final of the whole trials on the first day, and it's going to be awesome. Can't wait. Yeah, because we have a lot of guys who have the standard. And enough who are interesting to make it very interesting. So, well, what about what about Paul Chalimo? From what I understand, they want to get a top a 10K in. They tried to get the standard in 2019. He still needs the standard. You guys are pretending it doesn't even matter, but it does. Uh, but he could go after it this spring, and he he could be in the mix. I thought about him, and I just left him off because I went through my mind and decided that he's not going to get a standard beforehand. If you don't have the standard in this event, you do not run it at the trials. So this is the one event where the standard is essential. So I'm going to go... Gosh, I mean, like Ben True looks good here on paper, but he got drilled. Oh, John's got him on the team, I think. He got drilled by Kincaid and Fisher. So uh, Lamong, he got drilled by like two seconds by Woody Kincaid. That's a nice I beatdown. I'm gonna go Lamong Jenkins. I don't even remember him winning a 10k. I gotta gotta go with Jenkins. I think Lamong Jenkins Fisher. Now, be honest, Weldon, would you even have considered Eric Jenkins if you hadn't seen my picks and the list of entrants there in my Google Doc? No, I didn't even know he'd run a 10K. Or, you know, probably what cities run one, but I I didn't realize he won the sound running thing. But, John, of course I would have done my own research and done that. (laughs) You say this. John, do you think Dwight Stones or whatever, when he's announcing, gives credit to Walt Murphy, the stat guy who comes up with all the interesting stats? No, he just says, thank you very much. I'm so smart. But this this whole thing is like we're supposed to come up with our own picks, you know? It wasn't about like I'll do the re- like if the, the arrangement had been, hey, we're going to prepare for the podcast. Here's my notes. I'm fine. I don't have those secret Google Docs like Robert does. But this one is like, hey, we're all going to come up with our informed picks to make the Olympic team. And you essentially just saw my informed picks and like, oh yeah, look, a couple of those look good, but like, oh, I'm going to go on a rant. You never actually got, we, we didn't get your Drew Windle rant. Well then maybe we'll get that at the end, but uh, my picks here. No, no, I appreciate you gave me credit for that. That's, and I appreciate that, you know, that you mentioned uh, the, you know, you're studying off some of my notes. So that's fine. I, that's what you pay me for. I'm okay with it. Uh, my picks. Lamong makes it. I'm pretty confident in that. And then, Team New England, baby. 
this is the one event maybe where I'm totally biased. Ben True and Eric Jenkins. I'm picking both of them to make the team. Now, part of my reasoning here is the 10Ks just run so infrequently. Like, you'll just get the standard, and that's the race we have to judge you off of. Like, is Eric Jenkins' 27-22 win in December any less? Like, is that really a worse performance than Ben True's 10K in, like, you know, perfect conditions? I think it was the same track they ran it at. But, like, two months later... I don't know. I don't know what the hell Eric Jenkins has been up to after that. Could he? Could he be fitter? Could he not? I, I, who knows? Like, but so I think it's kind of a crapshoot among the guys who have the standards. But this one, I'm just like, what would be more fun? Will it kind of be fun to see Ben True finally make an Olympic team at age 35? I think it would be fun to see Jenkins, who missed out barely in 2016 in the 5K make the team he's been running well and i you know i think pete julian's good co- i think all these guys i mean obviously schumacher is a good coach you know scott simmons is a good coach but yeah i don't know i think maybe this is more this one event is more hot over rain but i'm gonna take lemong true and jenkins those are good picks i think i need to redo my 5k team because i had fisher and chalimo on it so instead i will scratch them and add mcgordy and clucker Joe Klecker will make the Olympic team. Whoa, whoa. No love for Kincaid. He's not even going to finish in the top five. What does Cody Kincaid do? I see he ran a 27-12, but what else has he done this year? 27-12 is very good. <laughs> He's only run 27-12. He didn't run the 5K because he already has the standard. He's run 12-58, and he was third at USA's in 2019. Hmm. Okay. What has McGordy run this year? Uh, He's run 13-06, I think. Yeah. So Kincaid beats McGordy probably regularly in practice. No, I've I made my team. I've made my team. That's my team. Right, I'm not coming right. back, John. You all can right. pick. I'm just pick him. Well, I, here I'm like going to bat for Woody Kincaid, and then I didn't pick him in either event, which is probably a mistake. But um, yeah, I don't know. I'm set. Yeah, those those are my picks: Chalimo, Lamong, and Fisher in the ten, in the five. Lamong, True, and Jenkins in the five. Sorry, in the ten. And I think Lamong will do both events of the Olympics, so I don't think he's going to be passing up any spots before we finish this episode do you want to go on your drew windle rant because you had to you weren't here for the 800 picks yeah i will has anyone mentioned drew windle or boris barian no because in the year 2021 they have not shown to be relevant well then john their pedigree pedigree these are the are world indoor gold and silver medalists Barian won the gold in, what, 2016? Wendell the silver in 2018? It's just crazy. They're not even, like, mentioned. It just shows, should, like, should running... Should Johnny Gray? I mean, like, how far back do you want to go? Rick Wolhuta? Dave Waddle? I mean, it's... Boris, Boris Barian, when was the last time Boris Barian did anything well then? I mean, running, just success in it is probably more fickle than any, almost any other sport. Like, you can lose your fitness. If you, if you lose your health, you lose your fitness and you're done. And Wendell, I don't know. His went quick. P. Crew Wendell was 2018. He gets the silver medal at Worlds. And since then, he has not run under one. He ran 145 indoors. He's not run under 147.4, I believe, which is crazy. And his first race outdoors, or I don't know, his first race that year, after the silver indoor medalist, he wore a pair of sunglasses on his head, forgot to put them over his eyes at night. Run him for the race. I don't know. Bad karma or something. I hope this guy can turn it around because, like, clearly, like, he was a cool story. And that was only, like, three years ago now. So the 
postponement of the Olympics for a year has only helped him. Same thing with Varian, but yeah, they're not making the team. I mean, well, I have more faith in Drew Windle. I at least give him like an out. You know, I wouldn't. Would it be totally shocking to see him do something like he ran, he has run a race this year? He ran one forty eight six on March sixth in California. You know, I, I can at least see him showing up to the trials, and you know, then maybe what he makes the semifinals, and then who knows? But Boris Berrien has not raced since twenty eighteen. I just and he didn't race in. He didn't race in 2017 either because he was hurt the whole year. So he's run what? How many ra- how many races did he run in 2018? Yeah, I, oh, he actually ran a bunch of them, but he never ran faster than 147. So I don't know. He's raced in one since the Olympics in 2016. He's raced in one of the f- four years that have come after that. Yeah, five years. Sorry, he's only raced one of those years. I just don't see. It any reason to think he would be able to do anything this year. It'd be great if he does be an amazing story, but he's just hasn't been relevant for a couple years now. Yep. So my team, Brazier Hopple, I want to pick Devin Dixon. I mean, the guy's got tremendous speed, but I think he struggles with the third round of the trials. So I got to go with Murphy and we can't forget Clayton Murphy. He's a 142 Olympic medalist. So there's your team. Yeah, am I totally stupid for picking Isaiah Harris over Clayton Murphy? I think I might be, but all right, that is it. That you have heard us predict the entire distance squads. Oh, I think actually I'm going to make my marathon predictions. I'm going to say uh, Rupp, Jake Riley, and Abdi Abdurrahman, and I'm going to say on the women's side, Alfine Tuliamak, surprise winner of the trials. Uh, Molly Seidel, totally out of left field. I'm going to say she makes the team in her debut. And then Sally Kipiego, Olympic pedigree, um, silver medal. You know, I, I'm gonna, that's going to be my team on the women's. Unpredictable women's team, but I think that's what we should go. I should go with. Pretty bold, John. I'm going to one up you. Tulemuk after the trials is going to get pregnant and still come back and run the 2020 Olympics. Wow, that will be quite a story, huh? Yeah, and we need to make it so people can't copy and paste this podcast. You know, like certain websites, you can't do that, so they can't compare actual picks to the actual team. If you this, do that, yes, email us. Podcast will, we, will never, we'll, we will never put it on the air. Yeah, this podcast will be incinerated uh, you know, immediately after the Olympic trials uh, and replaced with a new version with all the correct picks. Right. We need that Mark Cuban app if that thing's still around. All right, everyone. Thank you, John. Thank you, Robert in absentia. Till next week. <laughs>